Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. Such a sweet presence of the Lord in this place. Sweet presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you would stand with me for the reading of the word, I've got a word for you today. How many of you have enjoyed watching the live stream or the pre-recorded, if you didn't know it, some of it was? How many of you enjoyed that, huh? We stepped up to the plate. Our team did a great job. We've got more equipment that's on the way. Come on now. Looks like that's going to be a way of life for us. We'll just do it better and better and better. We got a new team we're creating for media, for camera work, editing, etc., video, videography. But uh, just just an awesome job done by the team, and uh, it's been hard figuring out how to be a TV preacher. But I was made for it, y'all. I was made for it. you. Just watch out, Stephen Furtick. You watch out, Billy Graham. Here comes DH. Right? I'm just kidding with you. I'm just kidding with you. Uh, I do want to say this. Uh, we're going to look in Acts chapter 26, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Acts chapter 26. Um, but I will say this, that during this, this season, you guys have given in ways that you, you, don't, even, you don't even know. And uh, we have been able to bless different ministries and individuals. Let me give you just what I got off the top of my head. Uh, we helped two evangelists, traveling preachers that were struggling during this time. They've never even been to this church before, but you guys gave to them and helped them during this season. We helped uh, a pastor who had just moved to San Francisco. We, You guys helped him get to San Francisco, and he, he moved at the beginning of all of this and has not been able to have one service in his downtown San Francisco church church where he assumed to the pastor he's not been able to have one service but you guys helped him get there we need to pray for them as a matter of fact they were told that it would be months before they could ever meet and when they did meet when they got together they could not sing could not sing that was what the city council had said to them it's illegal for you to sing because you might blow the virus on somebody now, you can defecate on the streets of San Francisco. Can I just be straight up, right? So we need to pray for them in Jesus' name. But you guys helped them. You, you also helped a family that had lost a lot of family members uh, through this virus in Italy. You guys helped bury them. We helped pay for their funerals. We helped pay the mortgage of an evangelist uh, who passed away due to complications from coronavirus. You guys helped pay some of his mortgage for this upcoming year. Yeah. And every time we would give, people would say, thank you. And I'd say, we're sowing in a famine. Because Isaac sowed in a famine and reaped a hundredfold. We don't give to get, but I have understood this principle. If you do give, God's faithful. Amen. He's faithful. And 
I, I want to be, that's part of our prayer is that LifePoint is a financial powerhouse. We're known for our generosity. We're a blessing to the body of Christ worldwide. And so we have continued to be that in this season. And I, I want to thank you, and I just wanted you to know some of that stuff. If you'll look with me at Acts 26, we're asking you also not to live stream. I don't think anybody is, but try not to live stream during the service. The 1045 service will be live streamed, but uh, that would help us out. Uh, I don't want to be one of those churches that TMZ comes to visit. I like attention, but I don't like that kind of attention, right? Acts 26, 24 through 29. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus. Now, if you grew up watching Gunsmoke, that's significant to you right there. But not the same guy. This is not Festus Hagen. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom also I speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since the thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these change, chains. I'd like to preach a message today entitled, The Power of Almost. Say that with me, the power of almost. And I believe God's going to move. Let's say a prayer. Father, we ask that you would move. We ask that you would anoint me to speak us to hear. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's take a look at who was in the room that day. Festus, Bernice, Agrippa. You can find this in the rest of the story. Commanders of the Roman Legion the VIPs of Caesarea. And I want to focus on those first three, Festus, Bernice, and Agrippa. First, Festus. Josephus says Festus was a fair man, but in some respects he was to Paul what Pilate was to Jesus because although he thought Paul was innocent, he was interested more so in political expediency. And that's the way Pilate was when it came to dealing with Jesus. What benefited Festus politically is what was the most important thing to him. Second, Bernice was in the room. You find this, like I said, in the first part of the chapter. Bernice was the eldest daughter of Herod Agrippa I and the sister of Herod Agrippa II who was the king Agrippa in the room that day. She had a sordid past. It was well known that Bernice had an illicit relationship. Fasten your seatbelt with her brother that was in the room that day. She would go on to become the mistress of Emperor Vespasian, who brutally besieged Jerusalem somewhere in 66 AD or so. 
And it was all under the direction of his son, General Titus, who would later become the emperor. And Bernice had a fling with Titus and Vespasian. She was a perpetual and hostile enemy of the church. The church considered her to be hostile towards them. Third, Agrippa II. He was a fourth generation royal, born with a silver spoon in his mouth. His full name is Marcus Julius Agrippa. His family had deep connections with legendary Romans like Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, and a host of others. He was educated in Rome, and he had a bloodlust that he was born with, ran deep in his family. For you see, his great-grandfather killed the babies in Israel two years and under in an attempt to kill Jesus. Scholars vary wildly in their estimates, but it appears as if thousands of babies were slaughtered under the reign of his great-grandfather. That was known historically as the slaughter of the innocents. Agrippa's grandfather killed John the Baptist and ordered that his head be brought into a wild party he was throwing on a silver platter. And Agrippa's father killed James, the brother of John, the first apostle to be martyred. James the Great, some call him, and tried to kill the apostle Peter. The Agrippas were Edomites. They were descendants of Esau. Traditionally, they had not worshipped the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but for a hundred years or so before this story, the, the Edomites had been coerced into Judaism. So this King Agrippa in the room that day was very familiar with Judaism. He was well-versed in the Scripture. He, he knew all things Jewish. He understood the law, the prophets. And that, those were the Scriptures from which Paul would preach Jesus in the room that day. And none of the details that I just shared with you were, were missed by Paul. The histories in the room, the proclivities in the room, the prejudices, the politics, Paul knew about all of it. He knew before whom he stood. And verse 2 of Acts 26 says he was happy to do so. And, and part of the reason that he was happy to do so was because this was fulfilling part of the destiny that God had spoken over him, saying, you will stand before kings and declare me. And so here he was standing before King Agrippa. And Paul, you hear me, he sees the moment. Carpe diem, man. He sees the moment. From verses 4 to 24, Paul passionately and powerfully preached the word. He used the scriptures, but he also used his personal testimony. I want to tell you something. The word is powerful, but so is your testimony. Never forget, you know, the blind man, they said, give me the theology behind your healing. He said, I can't tell you all of that. All I know is once I was blind, but now I see. There's something powerful about your testimony. And in verse 24, Festus interrupted Paul as he was in the height of his preaching. I can only imagine. He's getting all worked up, right? He's taking a sip of water, and he's getting excited to jump around, and he's like, give me more monitor, and he's, he's just preaching away, right? And Festus looked at him and he said, Paul, you are absolutely nuts. You're out your mind. 
Festus was a newbie to all this. He didn't get it. And, and, and Paul looked at him and said, most noble Festus. He didn't cut him down. I love that. He didn't say, you're an idiot. Like, where did you come from? You know, if you only knew. No, he didn't say. He said, most noble Festus, I am not mad. I speak words of truth and reason. In other words, you think I'm mad from your perspective because you don't have truth. And without truth, you really can't be reasonable. But I am, we used to say it, I, I'm saved, sanctified in my right mind, right? I'm in my right mind. You know, the church turned the world upside down. Really, they turned it right side up. It was already upside down. And so here he says, I'm not mad. I speak words of truth and reason. And then he went for the, he went for the whole enchilada with King Agrippa. He had been zeroing in on this guy. He said, Agrippa here, he knows what's up. He knows the truth. None of these things have escaped him. I'm convinced of it, he said. Because this thing was not done in a corner. Now, he's referencing the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he's also referencing his own testimony. He knows about this. He continued, King Agrippa, don't you believe the prophets? And then he didn't give him time to answer. He said, I know that you believe the prophets. What I'm telling you is ringing true. You know it to be so. And Agrippa gives this tragic response. You almost persuade me to be a Christian. I could be and I want to be what you are, but I'm going to just have to be what I am. That room was stuffy with arrogance and pride that day. There was the foul stench of Agrippa's immorality with Bernice. There was the darkness of Agrippa's wicked, bloodthirsty heritage. And he was almost saved out of it all. Almost. But he wasn't. I'm talking about the power of almost. Say that with me. The power of almost. What a difference that would have been made if Agrippa would have bowed the knee right then and right there, could it have been that he influenced his own skanky sister at the same time and she bowed the knee and said, if you're going, I'm going. Could it be that Festus would have said, there's something going on in this place. I don't understand it, but I want to know more. Could it be that the commanders of the legion of Rome would have made a decision or the VIPs that were in the room from Caesarea? He was almost saved, but almost was not enough. Instead of being blessed, to walk on streets of gold. He was condemned to a lake of fire because in that moment, he was almost saved. In that moment, he believed and he almost acted on those beliefs. Paul said it, I know you believe, but he did not. Can I tell you, 
It is possible to be almost saved, but not saved. Almost. Close. But not saved. To feel the convicting power of the Holy Ghost and then not to follow through and act on it. To believe in your heart and know what he's saying is true, but not to follow through and act on it. To be inches away like Agrippa was from a generational shift. Great-grandfather killed all those babies. Think about it. Grandfather beheads John the Baptist. Father goes after James, John's brother. It's a, it's a generational blood lust, but he was inches away from breaking that curse, changing the course of his life and his children and his court, and his, his destiny, to be almost saved. Let me tell you something. If you've never turned to Jesus, don't let your past hinder your future. Don't let your pride stop you short of God's promises. Come on now. There's no need to wait. There's no need to hesitate. To almost turn to Jesus is not enough. Listen, to almost submit to those waters of baptism is not enough. Putting it off to one day is not enough. To almost be filled with the Holy Ghost is not enough. I'm going to tell you, this is the time to be all in. It's all in or nothing at all. Now is the time. Don't be an almost Christian. Be an altogether Christian. Come on, give him praise right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. It's all or nothing, man. It was, it was, he was almost, let, let me say this. Maybe you strayed away from the Lord and walked away from him. And let, let me just encourage you, don't let another day go by outside of the Father's house. I'm telling you, if you'll turn and you'll start moving towards him, he'll take off running towards you. With open arms. He's a God of restoration. Come on now. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Have you found that to be true? When you walked away, when you were cold in your spirit, when you got embittered, when you got all caught up in junk, your attitude got all messed up and you were so far from God and you're like, I'm thinking about throwing in the towel and you walked away and, 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 and then you came to yourself. The Bible talks about the prodigal. It says that he was in the, the, the pig's pen and he was eating the slop of the pigs. The pigs, the pig, there was a famine, but there were pigs. Why weren't they eating the bacon? They had slop, corn husks, and whatnot. I mean, if it's a famine, right? Why don't you eat the pig's food till the pig gets hungry, starts dying, then kill the pig, eat the pig. There was a famine, not so much in the land, but in the man. 
there was a famine in the man, and he came to himself. When, there's a, when the famine gets severe enough on the inside, you realize that the servants had it better in my father's house. I will arise. Maybe he'll make me a servant. And when he started making his way back, I want to encourage you today, if, if you've been away, the father's arms are open wide. Come on, give him praise for that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I would like to pivot on this point. Agrippa proved that one can be almost saved, but still lost. I believe one can be almost lost, but still saved. Agrippa was on the threshold of glory, but he didn't quite get in. I would propose to you that one can be on the threshold of hell, but not quite make it in to the devil's chagrin. Listen to what David said. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Notice this. He considered the injustice and the inequity, the lack of fairness in the world around him. And he said, I almost fell away. His external circumstances caused him to lose his perspective on God. He questioned God. He had his doubts. He was hurting, troubled, and depressed. And then in verse 16, he says, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful. There was a lot of pain and hurt as I looked at my external circumstances, verse 17, until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I understood something I couldn't have understood any other way. I'm going to tell you something. There's something powerful about being in the sanctuary of the living God. Come on, give him some praise. There's something powerful. Focusing on the lamb with the people of God and on the goodness of God. He went to church and he got a long-term perspective on the externals in his situation. And he said, I got encouraged. I got happy again. I almost lost it, but I didn't. I'm talking about the power of almost. I got a word for somebody. David was almost lost. There was other situations I could talk about in David's life. He was almost lost, but he wasn't. <laughs> the devil's been lying to somebody, telling somebody you can never be saved. Look what you've done. Look how far you took it. Look how bad you blew it. Look at the mistakes. Look at your faults. Look at your failures. You can't unscramble scrambled eggs. You done scrambled these eggs, baby. There ain't no coming back for this, but I'm here to tell you, the devil is a liar. Take a look around where you are today. You're in the sanctuary 
I don't mean this building. You're in the presence of the living God. You're with the people of God. Maybe some of you, we'll see in that next service, they'll be logging in. I just want to tell you something. Let Let me just assure you. If you get to heaven swinging from the chandeliers, like, like a barrel of monkeys. Remember those guys? You just swinging in from the chandeliers, man. If, if that's how you get in, hallelujah. But some of us, we're going to get in crawling, bloody, beat up, just having some struggles. But if we almost get in, baby, we're in, right? Come on now. I almost went to hell. But I didn't. Take that, devil. You couldn't even stay in heaven in a perfect environment, but I couldn't stay in hell in a terrible environment because of the grace and the goodness of God. Give God some praise right now. (laughs) Glory to God. I want to tell you something. Perfect people are overrated. Stop it. I get so sick of religious, you can smell pretense. I love the Lord. You can smell it pretense. Never had a struggle. You don't know what it's like to walk with the true and living God if you say, I ain't never had a struggle. Perfect living. I'm just going to tell you straight up. You give it a shot. Good luck. Let me just go ahead and be a spoiler alert. Impossible. You just keep your FaceTime on your whole life and let the whole world watch you. Like that Truman show. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Can I say that? I can't remember. If that's a bad movie, don't ever watch that. We're going to find out you ain't perfect. Puritanical living, it's not realistic. I'm going to tell you something. Life gets messy. Stuff happens. Bankruptcy, legal problems, divorce, unplanned pregnancies, health issues, addictions. And if your focus is on living an unmessy life, You'll get all of this wrong. Don't, under, don't misunderstand me. I'm a holiness preacher. I'm a right living preacher. Holiness grows, though, out of a relationship with the Lord. I do things because of the relationship, not to get the relationship with the Lord. The prodigal came in smelling like a pig. Nasty. The father ran and embraced him. He just said, go go clean up. Now embrace me. He hugged him. He kissed him. He put a robe on him. He's going to get the fine robe dirty. We're going to have to send it back to the dry cleaners. Put that robe on him. Put a ring on his feet. Put sandals on his feet. I mean, he just, the boy was, was spoiled rotten. The boy had blown his inheritance. And when he said, put a ring on his finger, the signet ring, it's like, give him a credit card. Give him the family credit card. He's a bad steward. We don't want to give him the family credit. 
give him the credit card. Just, just, I just want you to understand, though, the relationship was the primary focus. You do things because you're saved, not to get saved. I want to give you an illustration. I hope you don't ever forget. And um, anybody know what this is right here? It's a Snickers. It's not a Satisfies bar. It's a Snickers bar even though it says Satisfies. See that? It's a Snickers bar. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration. And when we get our camera crew, what's going to happen is we're going to have live videos all over the place. And they're going to be able to come up and focus in on what I'm doing right now. But this, this right here, is a big old knife. Let me show you. Here's the point. No matter how you slice it, there's nuts. I'm going to tell you something. No matter how you slice life, there's nuts, man. Life gets nuts, does it not? So you go ahead and do that puritanical, I'm, you know, I've got it all together in Jesus' name, you know, and, and I'm, you just live long enough and you're going you're gonna to hit the stuff, y'all. You're going to hit the stuff. Life has a way of just getting very, very messy, and it's not having faith in me living a perfect life. Listen to this. John 14, 1, uh, Job 14, 1 says, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. John 6, 34, Jesus basically said, Every day has trouble. Jesus Christ wanted us to know every day has trouble. Now, in what or who is, where have you placed your trust? In, in your circumstances or in Jesus? Your faith, your trust is to be in Jesus. And I'm closing with this. Listen, your faith is so important. Ephesians 2.8 says we are saved by grace through faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, He that comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Romans 5.2 says, We have access into this grace by faith. And when you come to Jesus by faith, this is what you've got to understand. You're in the grip of grace. We just see, we just saw how you come to him in faith. That faith is in you. And listen what Jesus said in John 6, 37. Those who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Oh, I love 
Not today, devil. Peter, Satan has desired you. You're almost going to be lost, Peter. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. You're going to fail. Come on, stand with me right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. You're going to fail. Somebody needs to just go ahead and fess up. You're going to fail. But he's never going to let you go. Come on, give him some praise. He's never going to let you go. Pray for your faith. Paul had been a Pharisee who murdered Christians. And then he was saved. He was almost lost. But on the road to Damascus, he was not lost. Agrippa would have gone from an evil, bloodthirsty tyrant to being saved. Almost lost, but not. Instead, he was almost saved, but not. I wonder who in this room today needs to be nudged to take that step cross that line and respond to the grace of the living God. And I wonder who in this room needs to be reminded, hey, you may have been almost lost, but he's never let you go. Would you lift your hands to him right now? Thank you, Jesus, for your sweet presence, for your goodness. Come on now. Woo! You never let go. You never, you just never let go. I want to open this altar up right now. If you want to pray, I want you to find a place to pray. The convicting power of the Holy Ghost is in this place right now. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.